it's a, it's very much a New Testament, you know, song idea comes from the New Testament, but really it's a very old um, concept. Hey, um, it's a very old concept, and it's one that goes all the way back to the very beginnings of our faith. Um, the fact that that God would have um, a people on display that through this people his glory would be um, demonstrated um, and for all the people who were not his people to see his glory through his people and then want to become his people. Does that make sense? It's a lot of people words. Um, but uh, going back, that was God's original vision for the nation of Israel is that he would take this group who uh, were nothing and they had been uh, uh, slaves for 400 years in Egypt, that he would take them and that by only his divine intervention and his power at work, he would make them into this great nation, and that through them the Messiah would come, the Deliverer would come, that would forgive sins for the entire world. And so this was, was that was his, his whole deal. And all throughout the Old Testament, um, all the stories we've been looking at um, kind of show the, how Israel really struggled with their calling. Um, that, that living for the glory of God and, and trusting God alone and not getting involved in the, um, in the religious practices of those that lived around them, that was a constant struggle for them. They were always just up and down uh, about it. And um, so tonight we're going to look at this story where God has sort of had enough. And um, he, here's, here's kind of the, the background of what's going on. Um, there was um, the, the king of Israel at this time, his name was Ahab, and he was bad, okay? It says that he, he provoked God to anger more than any of the kings before him. If you know anything about the kings before him, that's really saying something. Like this guy was especially uh, wicked. Not only that, he was married to a lady named Jezebel. And you don't even have to know anything about Jezebel, just the name Jezebel um, carries with it this this really like negative thing. So they were this wonderful uh, king and queen. You probably felt very secure under their leadership, uh, the most evil man ever, and Jezebel. Um, and, and so what what happened was um, Ahab had he had involved um, his family and all of his leadership and the nation in uh, in idol worship, and they worshipped uh, the god Baal and. Um, so here's this nation that's supposed to be seeking after the glory of God alone, uh, of Yahweh, the, the, the one true God. And exactly what God had told them not to do, they were doing. They had gotten involved with the religious practices of the area, and they were worshiping idols. And, and so um, this was, was just the way that it is. It was not a very good situation. Jezebel was killing the prophets of God because the prophets of God were saying, like, hey, y'all can't do this hey, this is bad, hey, you're evil, hey, you know, whatever. And so she just was killing them off, just like left and right, killing as many of them as she could. Um, there was a guy named Obadiah who hid some in caves, but she got to them eventually as well. Um, and so she, she's trying to kill all of the prophets of God, and Elijah is the last one that's left. So, of course, um, he's not exactly like hanging out at Ahab's, in Ahab's neighborhood. Um, he's the last one that's there. So he kind of disappears for a while. But the last thing he tells Ahab before he disappears, he said, um, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. 
There's not even going to be dew on the ground until I say so. This is, this is what God want, wants me to tell you. And then he disappears. So surely Ahab at first was like, yeah, all right, whatever. Um, but then probably after, you know, a couple of months of no rain and then the year, whatever, um, he kind of started to panic a little bit. So they try to search for um, Elijah, and they can't find him anywhere. So three years go by. There's been no rain. The streams have dried up. Uh, they're about to have to start killing their own animals uh, and stuff like that for food because the crops aren't growing. It's just, it's just a, a bad deal. So after three years of this famine, um, God tells Elijah, okay, it's time for it to rain again. Go to Ahab, and let's make it happen. And so that's kind of where we are, is Elijah has, has made his way back to Ahab, and they have the, this confrontation. Um, let's start at, uh, start at verse... Um, let's start in verse 20. Anyway, let's back up. This won't, all this won't be on the slides because I messed up. Um, verse 17, when, he saw, when Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah says, I've not made trouble for Israel, but you and your father's family have. You've abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Okay? So 850 prophets um, of these false gods or whatever he, he says, bring all of them and bring everybody in Israel. Get them all to the mountain. So they all show up at this mountain. Verse 20, Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. All right, so Elijah gets up in front of them. And this is what he tells them. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. The people said nothing. All right, we're going to stop right there for a second. How long will you waver between two opinions? If God's God, follow him. If it's Baal, then follow him. And what kind of basically has happened is God has decided that it is time to call Israel out. And to say, look, you've been, you've been living this, this like double lifestyle for too long. And you go back and forth and back and forth. What he's going to have them do in a second is he's going to have them build these two altars. And so um, I'm not really the king of object lessons. So I was like, how about stools? That'll work, right? All right. So here's, um, these are our two altars, all right? Impressive, I know. Okay. Um, so, Matt, can you turn this down a little bit? Because I'm afraid as soon as I start getting excited, it's going to be loud in here. <laughs> no, you know me. Um, all right. <laughs> Okay, so, he, so he's going to have them set up these, these two altars, and they're going to have this showdown, okay? But let's, let's for a second, you know, it's funny because we on this side of the cross are so judgmental of the Old Testament people, right? Aren't we? Aren't we like, God, oh, they're so dumb. Like, why, why would they worship the Baals? It's so stupid. Like, don't they see? Um, and, and, and so we're real quick to do this. And so on the, I have a couple of, like, different things. Go to the next slide, Nathan. The first one, um, yeah, okay. It's very easy for us to be like, this is here's God, right? And, and here's here's the the bail. Like it's so easy for us to say, don't you see that one is one is real and one is fake? 
You know, we're like, God, can't they see that? Like, it's like this idol thing that they set up. And like, can't they, they see that? It's totally fake. It's just, just kind of there. It's so easy for us to do that as if, as if we can't connect somehow. Um, another thing that we could do is, is can't you, can't, what's the next one? I forget. Oh, yeah. Um, can't you see that, that, like, this is completely dead? Like, here's God who's alive, and he's active, and he's done all this great stuff for your nation. Like, how can you forget that? You're so stupid. Like, why would you choose something that is, is just dead? Why would you choose this idol that was made by human hands? And we're so arrogant, and we're so like, oh, yeah, they're just so dumb. Like, I can't believe they did that. We would never do that ever, ever, ever. Maybe it shows up in a different way. Um, the next one um, is the seen versus the unseen. Now, this is not an idol. Okay, it's called a souvenir. All right. Um, a couple years ago, I got to go to Sri Lanka and stuff like that on this mission trip. And um, so, like, we of course, like, we go to the place where you buy all the stuff that's made there. You know, every country has the markets and stuff like that. So I bought this. Uh, it's not an idol. It's a guy who's skinny and he has earrings and a staff. Okay, um, it's not an idol, but this is going to represent. This, okay? Oh, come on, dude. you got to be kidding me. I'm going to put him on a hymnal. Don't tell anybody. Come on, we practiced this. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe, just maybe. Okay? You have seen, you have unseen. All right. Maybe for them, maybe after, you know, a year, two years of being hungry, maybe they didn't really want to go to uh, the temple and do sacrifices. Maybe they really didn't want to trust God. Maybe this God hadn't shown up in a long time. And so maybe this is easier because because we kind of have that draw to the tangible things sometimes, don't we? You know, maybe maybe for them it was like I need something I can put my eyes on. Remember when we were in Sri Lanka, we we um we were playing like this big music festival at night, and they had billed us as this like this actual like band from the West, like they're like they're from America, they're from the West, you know. And uh, I don't know what they called us, but we were just like Healing Place, just like picked some different people and said, hey, we're gonna throw a band together and go play this thing. But they thought we were rock stars, okay? And so we were playing these this big festival at night, and there'd be like you know, 30,000 people at a time, this open-air thing, people were coming and going, whatever. But during the day, we were, like, just kind of hanging out. And um, so we would go to these different places, and and so we would go around, and we went into, uh, the like, a, this Hindu temple. And so they're there, and they're, like, these people there who are worshiping. And so it's so easy for, for us to be like, God, don't they know? Like, it's just it's just an object, you know? Like, it was, like like pounded into a form by some craftsman somewhere and painted to make it look repeat. it's it's dead it's it's whatever but what was weird is i had never been in a place where people were worshiping something they could see and that was so like just real like very surreal for me because i was like you know i've never seen god you know i sing to him in church and and i pray to him and and, and i have all these ideas but i've never actually laid eyes on him it was so weird to be in a place where they were doing that Maybe the Israelites got to the point where they're like, you know what, I, I hadn't seen Yahweh in a while, but I, Baal I could see. 
You know, we, we kind of do the same thing, don't we, a little bit? Isn't it so much easier to go and to talk to somebody else about what's going on and to seek advice or counsel or, you know, like whatever? Isn't it so much easier to go to somebody who's going to, like, speak back in, in a voice you can hear and someone who's going to have, like, expression and stuff like that? Isn't that kind of easier sometimes than, than praying to our God who we don't see? Who we don't see his expression and and Let's be honest, we struggle to hear him answer back. We kind of do that, don't we? We kind of drift in this direction toward maybe some more of the seen things. Um, you know, it's when, like, do you, do you waver back and forth between that? Do you tend to trust uh, your financial advisor with your money, your parents with your money, your, like, you know, Lou Dobbs, whoever that is, with your money? Um but, like, over here, here's the unseen, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of like, all right, well, maybe we kind of drift toward the scene as well sometimes. So maybe we shouldn't make fun of them as much when we maybe struggle with, with some of the same kind of wavering that, that, that they do. Um, the next one that I, that I was kind of thinking about is this. Um, truth versus lies. Truth, lies, okay? Um Maybe maybe they had, since it had been a while and God hadn't really shown up and stuff like that, the stuff that this Baal religion was about kind of started to sound like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe so, maybe so, maybe so. Maybe they had gotten involved with it to the point where they didn't know the difference between lies and truth. And all of a sudden, what, at one time, they would have spotted, like, that is not true, that is not true, that is not true. All of a sudden, they're like, well, maybe. And maybe they just got to a point where they couldn't even tell the difference between them anymore. Maybe they had all just merged into one big blob of, of truth or something to them. So maybe when Elijah got up and said, how long are you going to waver back and forth? They were like, what do you mean? Why is it wavering? I think we kind of do the same thing, you know, where like there's there's one minute we are just completely like 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 some of the songs we sang tonight about God knowing our name, about declaring that we are his, uh, about, all these, about all these things. We're so secure in our identity. But then, like, if you're anything like me, it's not too much later in the week when maybe you're more on this side, on the lie side of things, you know? You're like, God, I, if I was really, like, saved, like, I wouldn't be thinking these things. I wouldn't have these struggles or, you know, this and this and this. And our whole sense of identity, it goes from what God says about you is who you are, and sometimes it shifts over here to like, well, man, what other people think about me is the most important thing in life. And I've just got to keep other people happy so that they think I'm cool, because that means I'm cool if other people say that I'm cool. When coolness doesn't matter. Truth matters. You being a saint and being holy and being without blemish and your identity being secure, that, that's what matters. But don't we kind of come over here to the point where all of a sudden it, we really believe all that stuff that society's throwing at us? So maybe we kind of like them and kind of like the Romans have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. But to the point we don't even know it's a lie sometimes maybe, you know. Um, maybe, maybe over here we're completely secure, right? We know who we are and there's just security there. But over here there's that voice that's like, oh, man, if you're not married, then psh, whatever, you know. Or, oh, if you don't have a, your 401K together. Some of you are like, what's a 401k? <laughs> you know? 
for people over here, like, oh, if you don't have, like, best friends, or if you don't have this, or this, or this, or this, whatever, and, and so, like, don't we maybe kind of waver back and forth? Maybe, maybe over here is my, like, my Sunday night place, my Tuesday night community group place, my, you know, like, on days when I, like, pray, and that kind of stuff, I'm over here. Maybe over here, maybe this is, like, maybe this is Wednesday, you know, Thursday. Maybe this over here is why I'm like, man, I can't wait for Sunday, as if that, as if it can only happen on Sunday. But, but you know, don't don't you think sometimes maybe we we kind of waver back and forth? Maybe that's where that approval of man things come, thing comes in, and it, which kind of takes us to the to the next one. Over here, it's all about him. Over here, it, it's all about self. See, God was calling them to be completely, like we sang in the song, living for his glory, his glory alone. It's all about him. It's only about him. And over here, see, worshiping the, the Baals, it was a very, very appealing uh, religion to your flesh. It was very, very sexual in, in nature. It had just a lot of those, a lot of those things that just like are very attractive to the, that human, like fleshly side of us. And so for them, I mean, they're kind of like, holiness? Negative. I'm over here. Because this is more fun. You know, this makes me feel good, just whatever. Maybe, we're, we're, maybe we waver kind of like they do. Maybe as much as we want this and we want to pursue holiness and we, and we want God to be glorified through our lives and we want all that stuff, we waver between that kind of life and that kind of thinking and this kind of life and this kind of thinking which is like, what's going to make me feel good right now? What's going to make me accepted? What is going to uh, help me escape my bad day, my depression, my whatever? What, what is going to make me happy at this point? And maybe the whole time knowing, like, yeah, I can always go back that way. Grace is over here, you know? And so maybe we hang out over here until we feel bad enough and we swing back this way. Everything's okay again. All of a sudden, uh, we look over there, and then we're back over here. And so when Elijah stands up in front of him, he's like, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? Maybe we have a little more in common with them than we think. And I'm, I'm, I'm the, the lead dog in that pack. And so God calls them to the table, and I think maybe for some of us tonight, like, that's... Exactly what God is saying to them is, is, is what he's going to deal with us tonight about. Maybe God wants us to ask ourselves, all right, how long are you going to live this life where you just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth? Because this right here is miserable. Wavery, it, it's, it's a miserable way to live. It's exhausting. Um, but yet, it's like strangely familiar to us. And I think for a lot of us, we don't know any, we don't know any other way to live. For the Israelites, here they were. They were just surrounded by it. Their leader had, had set up this temple for Baal in their town. You know, they had, I mean, it was just, it was all around them. Like, how, how are you supposed to escape that? And so for three years of struggles and struggles and struggles, and finally God says, all right, today's the day. Get everybody on the mountain. And so what he does is he, he sets up this showdown. Um, like, like we said, he builds two altars. Let's look, look back at Scripture. Um, oh wait, let me let me say this too. After he, he said that, the people's response when he said, "How long are you going to waver?" Um, they, they said absolutely nothing. And I, and I think that's that's significant because um, when somebody comes to you and they're like, "Hey, 
you know, you did this, and, and that was wrong. When you respond and you're like, yes, you're absolutely right, that's one thing. When you respond, you get defenseless. Like, who are you to tell me? And this and this and this and this, whatever. But when someone comes to you and they say, hey, you did this, and that's not right, and you say nothing, I think what that reflects is just my opinion. The Hebrew does not give any insight here. I don't speak it, which probably helps too. Um, this is just my, my take on it. I think they were so confused that they had no idea what was right. I think they were just like, they couldn't even say, like, huh, what do you mean? Could you clarify that? They were just silent. But I think they were out of their mind, confused. I think they were exhausted. I, you know that they were hungry. I mean, they were just probably like, just uh, maybe, maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're just like, you know, I, I couldn't tell you where I am. God sets up this, this showdown for him. Verse 22. Elijah said to him, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but don't set fire to it. I'll prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Okay? So they set their, their altars up. He says, you go first. There's a bunch of y'all. Okay? This is, this is what I believe God had in store for them. He's got the whole nation of Israel there, and he's got 450 of Baal's prophets around this idol over here. He's got Elijah, the, lone, the loner, okay, on this side. And, and everybody's there to watch. I think God wanted, like he set up this display. He set up this trial, however you want to look at it, so that they could see some things. And so I want to, I want to just point out just four, real quick, four things that they saw that I think God did intentionally to communicate some stuff, okay? Four things that they saw. The first, one thing, the first thing that they saw is there was absolutely no response, okay? No response on this side. Um, let's see. All right, look at verse 26. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. O Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. Okay? Imagine 450 people, okay? Like three times as many as we have here now who are, are all around this idol over here. And they're, and they're looking at it, and they're all pumped up, and they build it all up, right? And all they have to do is pray down fire from heaven to consume it. That's all they have to do. Now, you would think, I mean, think about it, okay? 450 of them all begging Baal to show up. Show up. This is the showdown, okay? This is you versus them. Show them that you're right. And they're screaming and they're crying and they're dancing around the altar. They're going completely crazy and not one thing happens. 
Now imagine you are, you are an Israelite, and you are sitting there, and you've been struggling, and you're confused, and you've just been called to the table, and you're like, man, like God, like he's, he means business now, and, and, and this, is all, this is all on purpose, this is all on purpose. And you watch for hours people scream at that idol, and scream, and scream, and scream, and scream, and beg, and plead, and, and say, let's start dancing. Maybe we're not dancing, you know, so they start to dance around the idol, and they're dancing. Imagine you're sitting up on this mountainside, what would be going through your head? There's no response. Dead is dead. Okay? That piece of metal right there that I got in Sri Lanka, it's just an object. And I wonder, as they watched them, you know, hours and hours and hours, if God was just going, see, that is dead. It's not going to happen. There is no response. They had to say something to their hearts. That has got to say something to us. When the things on this side are, are, we're talking about lies, we're talking about the things that are seen, we're talking about these tangible things that are over here, we're talking about seeking self, it is completely pointless for you and I to dance around these things with our lives. It's so stupid. They are not going to respond to us. They're just not. It's not how God put us all together. Okay, it's not how it's not how we work, and he knows it. The next thing that they saw um, was they saw how foolish people look when they are deceived. Foolish actions of the deceived. All right, so they're dancing. All right, so Elijah. This is why I think Elijah and I are going to hang out in heaven one day. Okay, because he starts to mock them. All right, and that's my kind of guy. Okay, uh, at verse twenty-seven. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. All right? We're totally going to hang out. Y'all can come over. It'll be a good time. Um, He starts to taunt them, okay? And so that, of course, just makes them a little more angry or whatever. So verse 28, so they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Okay? They start going, and they're dancing, nothing's happening, so they just start to cut themselves. Like, who, who, who brought a knife? Let me see your knife. Just start, like, cutting themselves. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe dancing and bleeding is what we need to do. Maybe that's what's going to get Baal's attention or whatever. The Israelites are sitting there, and they're watching this. They watch it go from shouting to dancing to cutting themselves and bleeding all over the place. I mean, how stupid they must have looked. I thank God for those moments where you're allowed to see how stupid that is. And I'm allowed to see, like, see when you're all self-centered, see how dumb you look. See, when you live for your own glory, not mine, see how just, see how not you that is? When I was in middle school, um, there were like all these, like you were defined by like what you did, you know, or what you claimed to do. So we had like, um, like the headbangers who were like all into like Guns N' Roses and stuff and they like wore certain things and they, yeah, I'm that old. And there were uh, skaters who like, you know, all the skateboard stuff. And even if you didn't skate, if you just wore the stuff and you bought the magazines and you had like the bowl haircut with the swoopy thing in the front, like you were okay. Um, 
You know, and there were like the preps who like wore like guest jeans and like all that kind of stuff all the time and uh, all that. And so, and so there's all these things that, that like, that like, that's why I like to love, like I love the 80s or whatever. That's like my favorite show. Um, and so there are all these groups out there or whatever. And it was so funny because in every group there are people who are really into that stuff and there are people who are just acting like they're into that stuff. And so they were, those were what we called posers. And so you could always tell who a poser was because they would, like, try to talk the talk. They didn't know what they were talking about. It's like on that ESPN commercial where the guy's, like, hanging out at the water cooler and he's trying to talk sports. But he has, he's every, getting everything all wrong and he has no idea whatever. And the guy's just looking at him like, you, it's just so obvious. Like, watch, you know, watch ESPN and you'll be able to do this. Um, like, just being, like, a, a complete poser. And, and, but it was so funny to watch people who were trying so hard and trying so hard and trying so hard. And we were just like, dude, it's not working. You look so dumb. And I think that's a part of what the Israelites were like. Look, at you're trying so hard to devote your life to something that's dead, and you look so stupid. And God's like, I think those Israelites who are up there who've been struggling, it's like, oh, so that's what Baal worship looks like? Wow. I need to see that. Next thing they see is um, they see these 12 stones that... Uh, Elijah sets up. Look at verse 29. Midday passed. They continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered and no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He gets these 12 stones. If you were an Israelite and you saw 12 of anything gathered and put in front of you, it communicated something to you instantly. You knew exactly what was going on. You knew exactly what the point was. Um, I grew up in a Baptist church, and I knew when I walked into the sanctuary and in front of the pulpit was the table with all the stuff under it and the white cloth draped over the top of it. What was about to happen? Lord's Supper. As soon as I saw it, I didn't have to ask because I had grown up around it so much. I saw it and I knew exactly what was about to go on. Same thing. Anytime they were together and they set up 12 of anything, it communicated something instantly. They said, look, this is, this is your heritage. This is the history that you are a part of. This is the identity that is you. Those stones represented each of the tribes of Israel that had come from Jacob. When God made the covenant with Jacob, he changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Every Israelite that's sitting up there came from a tribe that's represented by one of those stones, and it said something to their heart. It said, you know what? This is who you are. That, dancing around a, a worthless idol and cutting yourself and bleeding for hours and hours and hours, not who you are. Twelve stones set up. Let me remind you of who you are, where you've come from, and what the true God has done for you. See, I think God wanted them to see that contrast. Look at this panic. Look at this insanity. Look at this irrational behavior. Look at this death. And now look over here. I think he wanted them to see it. I think God wants that for us. 
think that's why we're real careful about the songs that we sing here. Because we want to make sure the songs that we sing communicate what we believe. Over the years, there have been songs that we have either changed the words to and not told you, or just haven't done at all. Because it doesn't reflect that identity. We come back to it over and over and over again. You know why? Because God comes back to it over and over and over again. Knowing who you are changes the way that you live. When I was in high school, I didn't have a lot of rules. My parents didn't put me on, like, you know, I didn't get a yard pass and all that kind of stuff. Basically, my dad always told me this one thing. He said, hey, don't forget who you are. I made up a lot of other rules in my head. But what he was saying is, like, don't, don't forget your identity. Don't do something that's, that's just not you. Don't do that. That's not you. This is you. God wanted them to see that. So without saying anything, Elijah starts setting up these stones. And I would imagine that that entire hillside just grew incredibly still and very focused. And then their minds start going to stories that their parents told them and their grandparents told them about God's faithfulness and his goodness and all the things that he has done. And I would bet that all of a sudden, that wavering, that going back and forth that they're tending to do looked pretty stupid. They're probably looking at this and saying, why would I want anything else? The last thing that they see is this overwhelming display of God's power. Look at verse 32. So with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood and cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to him, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. And the water ran down around the altar, even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Listen to this prayer. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. All right, again, referring to their heritage. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, that fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. All these events that, that rolled forward, it's almost like God just brought them from like the completely absurd into this place of just being so obvious what is right and what is true and what is necessary. He's like, what... What, this amazing display of power that where they pour, he pours water all over it, and, and I mean, just God just smokes the whole thing, and I'm sure everybody was just like, "Oh my gosh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely!" They were just responding. You know, as amazing as that is, um, your life being redeemed, much more amazing. People being freed from addiction, much more amazing than that. People being freed from their past, much more amazing. We as the church walk around 
with much more amazing displays of God's power and glory in our own lives than that. We think that was awesome, and I think God was like, you haven't seen anything yet. So the question really is, how long are you going to live this life of going back and forth between these, these two things? How long are you going to waver? God has set up the same display in your life, in my life. The thing is, it really does come down to us and that personal relationship with God. So I believe this is the message that God had for us tonight. And I believe that now we just have to be responsible with whatever it is he's doing. So I'm just going to pray. We're going to sing a little bit, let it sink in, and then we're going to go. All right? Let's let's, uh, pray together.